Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, March 15th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll hear how Mississippi Gulf Coast students are taking a stand against gun violence and what state lawmakers think of the movement. We'll now have a moment of silence dedicated to each of the victims of the Parkland, Florida shooting. Alyssa Al-Hadeth, she was 14 years old. Then find out why Mississippi veterans should be tested for hepatitis C today. And in our book club, a conversation with author Tiffany Quay Tyson on her Southern Gothic Gothic novel, The Past is Never. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Students on the Mississippi Gulf Coast are joining their peers around the nation in taking a stand on gun violence. Wednesday morning on the one-month anniversary of the school shooting in Parkland, Florida, students at Ocean Springs High School held a school-sanctioned demonstration in the school's inner courtyard. Senior Caroline Weigel tells MPB's Evelina Burnett their purpose was twofold. So me and a couple of like my fellow organizers, we attended an organizing meeting that the women who are organizing the march um, on the 24th were doing. And we we're also really inspired by the um, survivors of the Parkland shooting and how they've stepped up into the national spotlight despite the fact that they went through a terrible trauma. And they decided that they were going to be the group of people, the group of victims who changed things. And we wanted to follow in their example because they've given us such a good one. Why did you kind of decide to do what you did today? We wanted to honor the victims of the Parkland shooting while also making a statement about like what we as young people want from our senators and our representatives. And we also wanted to work with our administration to do this in a way that didn't disrupt education time because we're not protesting against the administration. Like I had different politics than I can promise you every single senior member of the administration and of the school board. But we all have the same goal, which is to stop children to stop vulnerable people from dying from gun violence and so we wanted to work together to do it because we're not protesting them we're protesting a system that allows high school children to be slaughtered in their place of learning. How did you see the impact of the Parkland shootings here at Ocean Springs High School? Um, We have had a few threats of violence here and we went into like a lockdown a couple of weeks ago but really it's like a change in how students here view gun violence because the Parkland shooting feels very close to home because there are kids who are speaking out on social media and saying I'm exactly like you and everyone here is starting to believe them. Is there anything in particular that you would like to see changed policy-wise? There are a lot of loopholes in Mississippi's gun laws Um, far, far too many gun show loopholes, for instance, the fact that if you're not like a a publicly registered gun seller, you don't have to do a federal background check whatsoever. And um, even other states who have like baseline laws, Mississippi doesn't have that. So we need to like get started fast so that we can at least catch up. Caroline Weigel with MPB's Evelina Burnett. Vicki Tibolet is principal of Ocean Springs High School. She tells Evelina Burnett she's proud of the students. Actually, 
Basically, the students came to us and um, wanted to talk about a peaceful demonstration for the walkout. And we did a lot of um, back and forth with them to to actually determine, you know, we had to consider the safety of all of the students and, and what a walkout really meant and what they were looking to get out of the, the situation. And um, they came up with everything on their own. And what did you think today as you were listening? I thought it was very impactful. I was very proud of them. I was very proud of every child that was out here. And um, I think it, it's a moment that, that maybe the students will find their voice. I, that, that's what excited me, I think, the most about the whole situation was that the students have a voice, and I think they're, they're able to use it, and they're realizing that they're able to use it and in a safe manner, you know, so that sometimes you, you put your, your voice out there or your, or your print out there, and, and it gets misconstrued. And so they were very careful today to make sure that they were focused on the point that they, they wanted to get across. How did you feel the Parkland shooting affected the high school? Did you see an impact here? Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it seems to be talked about every day. Um, we're on heightened alert. Uh, make sure you review all of your safety procedures. The students are very aware. Um, we have the see something, say something slogan going, and it's really working out that kids do come to talk to us. And, and I, it's actually, um, when things like this happen, it brings us closer to the students. You know, I mean, you, every day, they're, they're our lives every day, but, but you actually get closer to the students because you, they talk to you, you talk to them more, and you all talk about more issues that actually affect everyone. Principal of Ocean Springs High School, Vicki Tibolay with Evelina Burnett. Students at other coast high schools, including in Pascagoula and Biloxi, also held gatherings yesterday. Back at the state capitol, a little-known fact came to light recently when the Senate wanted to add the option of arming school staff to HB 1083 after the Florida school shootings. A Mississippi law passed in 2011 already gives schools the option of arming school staff. HB 1083 would allow those with an enhanced concealed carry firearm license to have the weapon on public property. The Senate voted to add more required weapons training to the bill and send it back to the House. But the realization some schools may arm staff is raising concerns ahead of a vote in the House. Republican Rob Robertson of Starkville is vice chair of the Education Committee. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier his concerns with armed teachers. I think the, the main thing is is that, that you know, I'm, I'm proud to see kids get involved. Uh, I don't think that anything we do needs to be a knee-jerk to whatever happens. We, you know, Our freedoms are, are something that we should take very seriously. That being said, safety for our kids need to be taken seriously as well. And there are solutions for this that, that, that we can do um, that, that don't necessarily include the solution these kids are talking about. And we just need to sit down and have, have conversations and make some, some choices that, that make sense for us. Uh, for me, I think we need to have uh, more... Uh, police type people that are there at the schools that are that are integrated into our school system um i I don't think some of the answers that that we're hearing just unfortunately i think people think out loud sometimes and we don't get the real answer until later um and so right now i think we just need to keep coming up with these answers but i think part of that solution is getting more resources for resource officers and you got that house bill most of the teachers i've talked to aren't crazy about that I wouldn't be in favor of it if we were talking about just a plain enhanced carry uh, in the classroom. Um, I don't think that most teachers are comfortable with that. There's just too many unknowns with that. So for for me on a personal level, I think that that most people uh, probably would rather us look at this a little closer than than having a knee-jerk just to have uh, armed people that that have a, 
a fairly simple way of getting an enhanced carry permit. Um, you know, th there's just too many too many question marks that I have for it. So I'd rather us look at a having more security people there that are that are trained. So your vote is no. For today, it is until until I'm certain that, that there's more training and more um, more guards, and until I know that my teachers are are for this. Uh, I I haven't heard but from maybe two teachers that are in favor of it, and I've heard from 30 that aren't. So I'm I'm a little bit more inclined to to listen to my teachers on this and make certain that they're comfortable with what we're talking about doing. House Republican Timmy Ladner of Poplarville says he understands the concerns raised by some teachers, but he's worried that gun-free school zone signs could invite potential trouble. I would be in favor of it if they did if they did a training course. Were you surprised that that was added to the bill on the Senate side? I was not surprised in that. I've, I've heard a lot of people say they were in favor of that, so I was not surprised. Does it concern you that there are some teachers who are worried about having armed personnel? I do. I understand that. I am personally more concerned with the sign out front that says this is a gun-free zone that lets folks know who might want to come in there and harm somebody that they don't have any opposition once they enter the school. Today we have students walking out across the country uh, here in Mississippi. What would you say to them about their fear of harm while in the classroom? I would be in favor of knowing someone is at that school and is armed, knowing my child has someone there to possibly protect them should things go wrong. Do you expect a lot of debate on this, Bill? I do. I do. I'm, and I'm sure there will be some opposition to it. The Senate has also added a provision that prevents guns from being carried at sporting events when law enforcement is present. Coming up, find out why Mississippi veterans should be tested for hepatitis C today. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. That might sound like loose change to you, but to us here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, it sounds like support. Now with the program Change by Soft Giving, you can round up your change from everyday purchases and support MPB and the programs you love. With every purchase, you show your support for smart, entertaining, and engaging programs that benefit all Mississippians. Sign up today by visiting mpbonline.org slash support and click Donate Your Change. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi veterans can take advantage of critical health tests today. The Mississippi Community Veterans Engagement Board, Sunny Montgomery VA Medical Center in Jackson, and the Gulf Coast Veterans Healthcare System in Biloxi are offering hepatitis C testing to their enrolled veterans. Veterans not enrolled in VA healthcare are encouraged to enroll and take advantage of screening and potential treatments. VA leaders say it's essential that all veterans be tested. Since January 1, 2014, 93 percent of veterans treated for hepatitis C in Jackson were cured. The Gulf Coast Veterans Healthcare System says 96 percent have been cured of the virus in Biloxi. Dr. David Walker is director of the Jackson VA. He tells us hepatitis C affects millions. Hepatitis C is a virus. It infects the liver and the liver is an organ that really cleans uh, the body uh, out and we cannot do without a liver. 
And so uh, that virus can lead to uh, cirrhosis. It can lead to liver cancer and then the need to uh, have a liver transplant in death if not treated. And so it is a very serious uh, illness that um, is in the blood and it targets the liver. How is it contracted? So there's different ways uh, that it's contracted. What we tend to focus on is the if you have it, then we now have medicines that can cure it over 90% of the time. Uh, But it can be contracted in many ways. And and we find that most people really don't know how they got it. And there's different types of behaviors that can put people at risk. Is it contagious? So it's not contagious. like hepatitis A is a type of hepatitis that can be like food poisoning you know, in the water. So it's not contagious like that. You are offering this testing to veterans. Is this a definitive test? It is not something that's included in routine testing. So if you've had your blood pressure, your cholesterol, and you know and all that tested, it's not going to be part of that. You actually have to ask for it. And so what happens is that the first test they would run on the blood would show, do you have antibodies to it, which is the body's way of making things to attack the virus. And then if you do, then they can do an additional test on that same blood to see if you have active infection, because most people can go what's called dormant for years, and that is not have symptoms, but yet have it in their body. And what that means is inflammation of the liver, that the liver is actually starting to show damage, not just the antibodies in the blood. Why are veterans more likely to have hepatitis C? Well, it could be that during uh, their time in service, you know, we weren't screening blood products and, and there were things that really weren't being checked. And so uh, they could have had exposure and never known it. Uh, now we know it. And the medicines we used to have were very difficult to tolerate. Sometimes you'd have to be on them for months, if not a year, and we didn't have cure rates like we have today. If someone wants to get tested, and you are, of course, encouraging, if not urging, veterans to get tested, you have a number of sites, quite a few sites in Mississippi where they can do this. What do they need to bring with them? So... A DD-214, if they're not in our system, and and every veteran, when they are discharged from active duty, gets a DD-214. And so that's your proof of service. And if they don't have it, there's there's certainly ways that we can go about getting it. Sometimes the state uh, Department of Veterans Affairs can help uh, get that. If anybody has applied for benefits, uh, in other words, service connection or disability, they've had to have had a DD-214 so as part of is there of an actual enrollment in VA health care? Correct. So you're not automatically enrolled in health care in the system. So you have to enroll. So we have about 44,000 veterans enrolled in the Jackson VA. And we know that there are thousands of veterans in Mississippi that are not enrolled in VA health care. So one of the things we're trying to do is not only test for hepatitis C and then get folks treated if they have it, but we're also trying to actually get those veterans who are eligible but not receiving care into our system. And so if somebody is not eligible, we will actually have people there to help get them enrolled so that it's not just the hepatitis C. I mean, we know that Mississippi veterans are some of the most ill in the country as far as you look at all the conditions. We have high rates of cancer in Mississippi, diabetes, 
blood pressure problems. And so all those things also need to be treated. So we're wanting to certainly test for hep C, but we're also wanting to do what's right and get that veteran enrolled in health care so we can actually help them with all their health care needs. The GV Sonny Montgomery VA Medical Center has been deemed high risk from the federal government. So how do you respond to that? Are there actions being taken to change that designation? So yes, and thank you for asking. We're on what's called a high risk list and and our overall sales score we're a two-star right now. Uh, the other thing is our all-employee survey result. And last year, we were one of the 10 most improved all-employee survey hospitals in the entire VA. Leadership vacancies. But I have filled all but three of the leadership vacancies. That was and one of the concerns? That was one of the concerns. They've been filled. And, and, and so if you look at that high-risk list, it is data, some of which is over three-year averages. So we look, and we look at real-time data and, of course, quarterly data to make sure we're moving in the right direction. And Washington is helping us. They've sent uh, a team in that has helped assess us, uh, both in mental health and, and, and medically. Uh, they're sending the National Center for Organizational Development in to help us. And what I am being told by the individual who is in charge of this uh, program that evaluates hospitals is that we are focusing on the right things and we are continuing to improve. Dr. David Walker is the director of the GV Sunny Montgomery VA Medical Center. Dr. Walker, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Hepatitis C testing for veterans will occur at the main VA medical centers in Jackson and Biloxi and at some veteran community outpatient clinics today. The testing begins at 9 a.m. An appointment is not necessary. Coming up in our book club, a conversation with author Tiffany Quay Tyson on her Southern Gothic novel, The Past is Never. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB's At Issue has the 2018 legislative session covered from all angles. MPB's political analyst, Democrat Brandon Jones, and Republican Austin Barber provide insight on the critical issues facing the state. They should have the right to carry to protect themselves and their families. And how these issues impact you. Give the gentleman a chance to go back and put some more teeth in the law. Join host Wilson Stribling for Mississippi's only statewide television news program, At Issue, every Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi native Tiffany Quay Tyson is returning to Mississippi with her newest book, The Past is Never. The novel tells the story of siblings Bert, Willett, and Pansy as they seek to cool off during the hot summer days in the Mississippi Delta. The story takes a twist when one of them vanishes for years, leading the siblings to search for clues on what happened. Tyson tells us more about her life and new novel. I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, was born and raised in South Jackson, went to college at Delta State University, and I lived, I worked in the Mississippi Delta for the Greenwood Commonwealth as a reporter for about a year. The Past is Never is your second published novel, is that right? That's correct. It is described as Southern Gothic. What does that mean? What kind of genre is that? You know, it's Southern fiction with a darker thread, I believe, is, is how I would describe it. It deals a little bit with things that might be somewhat supernatural or might be construed as supernatural. 
there is an undercurrent of darkness in the novel, though I think that it also has a redemptive storyline and, and, and some moments of humor, I hope. But yeah, I think in general, it's dark. It's a little bit dark. It takes place in, in the Mississippi way. Delta? It starts in the Mississippi Delta, yes. Mm-hmm. And then the story actually moves to the Florida Everglades. It has a very intriguing plot. It has a real hook right from the start. So tell our listeners, without giving things away, but about the characters and the plot. Yeah, so it starts basically with three siblings, um, Willett, Bert, and Pansy. Willett is the oldest and the only boy. Bert, whose full name is Roberta Lynn, but she hates that, um, is the middle child and also the narrator of, of most of the book. And Pansy is the youngest sibling, the, the sort of spoiled younger youngest daughter. And the three of them go swimming in a quarry, a rock quarry, an old abandoned rock quarry in the Delta, and they're forbidden to go there. Their father has told them that this is a terrible place where terrible things happen. It's an evil place. And yet they go anyway because it's hot and they want to swim. Um, during that trip to the quarry, the Bert and Willett go off in search of uh, something to eat, and they leave Pansy, and when they come back, Pansy is, is gone. She has disappeared. And that's kind of how the story sets off. Um, they don't know if she's been taken, if she's run away. They have no idea, and they spend the next few years of their lives looking for Pansy. As it happens, their father has also disappeared, um, which is not so unusual. He's the type of man that disappears for stretches at a time. But at, at some point, they began to realize that perhaps um, those two things are related. Well, it takes place in the South, and it has a mm-hmm. dark edge to it. Mm-hmm. How does that play a part? Is it overall in the plot or with the characters, that darkness? Um, I think in this particular case um, that there there is a little bit of darkness overall in the plot, Um I also think that there are some characters who have a uh, an obsession with the darker side of things. There's, you know, one character in particular is really really becomes obsessed with this particular quarry, which is, you know, rumored to be cursed or rumored to be haunted, and um, you know, he he becomes obsessed with what the history of what makes it so, what makes it so dark, so negative, such a a place that um, stirs up so many dark and stormy feelings. I think those are the things that are dark in this particular book. Tiffany, who are you writing for? Who's your audience? Well, I hope my audience is anyone who loves to read a good story. I try to write a gripping tale. Um, I also, you know, try to provide something for people who love, like some lush description. Um, I am a fan of trying to get the place right. So I certainly hope that people who love Southern fiction in general will come to my work and love it. But I also hope it reaches a broader audience. I hope that people anywhere who love to read a good story will enjoy reading what I'm writing. I believe that, I mean, there's so many great writers who write in sort of that Southern tradition who are known as Southern authors who should be more widely read. I believe that we, you know, kind of do a disservice when we completely pigeonhole people into their regions of writing. I hope that people who love other Southern authors will love this work, but I also hope that just anyone who loves a good story, who loves a little bit of suspense, will will come to it and enjoy it. Tiffany Quay Tyson is the author of The Past is Never. Tiffany, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Karen. I've enjoyed it.
Tyson has book signings coming up next week, March 19th, at Off Square Books in Oxford, March 20th at Turnrow Books in Greenwood, and March 21st at Lemuria in Jackson. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, it's Season Pass. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu.